we have a, a, a treat for, for you this afternoon. Um, it, is, it is our final uh, service for 2019, so why not go all out? Um, and uh, we, we wanted to really close off the, the Soul Matters series uh, in a special way. It's been incredibly uh, impactful, very engaging, uh, uh, and, and also painful, right? So if I know that for some of you it's felt like a little bit like heart surgery, going into some really sensitive areas and having to be willing to go there and do what God is doing and, and, to, and to stay in those places knowing that God is going to bring you out of that space more whole than when you went in. So I want to commend you uh, for having engaged in the process, not being a passenger, not being passive, but being fully engaged in this process. And I want to encourage you with this also. This is not the end. We're, we're ending off this, this series, but, but as God has started something in your heart, in your soul, see it through. Uh, seek the, the, the help. Walk things out with friends. Uh, we're here to assist you in whatever way uh, that we possibly can. So please be diligent to walk out your own wholeness. Um, the different version of that says walk, work out your own salvation um, in, in fear and, and trembling. Can I invite up our panel um, who, who, who are going to uh, just bless us this, uh, this, this afternoon? And uh, uh, I'm going to invite Neil up. Neil, Neil's, he'll, he'll help you to introduce the rest of the guys. You can come on up, guys, um, and just, and just take, your, um, take your seats. Speaking, speaking of, of, of schools, uh, Neo and I go, go way back. We did the Every Nation Ministry School together mm -hmm. uh, way back in 2000 and, was it 2007? 2000 and long ago. <laughs> so, some time ago, uh, we, we did the Every Nation Ministry School together. Uh, you don't need to elaborate anything on that. He's, he likes to elaborate to my detriment. Wow. <laughs> Uh, but now is the campus leader at Every Nation Vits. Um, yeah. And, uh, and uh, he, a phenomenal, uh, just a, a, a preacher of the word. Uh, he, one of his uh, main giftings that he operates in is that of evangelism. Uh, today we wanted him to, to, to minister to us because this is an area that he has personal uh, experience in. Um, and uh, we uh, wanted to... Um, benefit uh, from whatever path, whatever journey each of these people have walked in, whatever victory they've got, we want some of that. And, uh, and uh, so remember, as they share from their lives, as they share testimony, as anybody stands here and shares testimony um, of whether it's testimony of breakthrough, testimony of victory, or even testimony of I'm in the moment, but I'm trusting God. We say this all the time. I want you to remember that that's an opportunity for you to claim it, and to go, that's mine. If God is doing it for you, God will do it for me. Amen. So let's, uh, let, let's be active participants in this process. I'm going to hand over to Neil. Thank you, Nerico. Good afternoon, everyone. How are you guys doing this afternoon? Uh, apologies, I'm a campus missionary. Our volume and how we communicate sometimes goes to very impossible levels. So if you are here this afternoon, I'm kidding. My mother's here this afternoon, actually. Um, so, hi, mom. 
I try to keep it as a secret from her that I'll be uh, at the 12 o'clock service, but I think uh, clearly she found out or, or something. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's much nicer to do Mama, I Made It to the 12 o'clock service stage without your mom being there. Just, yeah. So this, uh, the message today is, um, actually the theme of the panel discussion is getting real about trauma. Um, and by trauma, we don't mean that uh, our discussions will be limited to trauma in the um, textbook definition, but getting real about our mental health. You know, and I love the phrase mental health sometimes a bit more than I love the phrase mental illness because sometimes we can exclude ourselves from the conversation, right? Uh, we can point out who we think struggles with mental illness, but when we say mental health, uh, it's easy for us to see ourselves in terms of, okay, my mental health can improve. Okay, I think that came a bit too soon in the sermon. Um, I think that we're not ready to get real yet, um, but my mental health can improve, and the person next to me, their mental health can improve as well. Um, and this is really important, before I even get into my notes. It's really, really important, especially if we, are, if we believe we are called to change the world, right? Um, so I'm, I'm on campus, and our slogan, if you've ever been part of Every Nation campus, change the campus. Change the world. Change the campus, change the world. And what kind of world would we say we are changing without attending to this mental health? How do we change a world without informing the actual engine of how the world runs, which is our mentality? How do we change the world without actually having a direct impact on the mentality of the world? And I believe that's what God has called us. I love the, the, uh, the prophecy that you shared earlier on in terms of what God is calling us to. And a big part of God calling us, that I believe that he's equipping us so that we can be able to attend directly to what is actually wrong with the world. So I, 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 love, I love this series. Um, and another uh, disclaimer, if I break into student Denise, Student Tunisia is a language that students speak that other people don't speak, you know, bear with me. Um, that was supposed to be funny, but that's okay. <laughs> Usually, you know what I'm saying, so, um, um, but anyway, let's open with prayer. Uh, we don't have that much time, and I want to make sure that the people here on stage get to share, the, share their stories. Um, so, Lord God, we thank you for your spirit and your presence here. Uh, the scripture that I felt to pray is John 3.16. We thank you, Lord, that you so love the world, Lord God. The world as broken as it is, Lord God. You so loved it, Lord God. We thank you that the theme is still love, Lord God. We thank you that love is not the reason why we got saved, but is the reason why we still remain saved, Lord God. We thank you that you so loved the world, Lord God, that you gave your one and only son, Lord God. We thank you for the power of the cross that is present to this very day, Lord God. We thank you that we can face these issues with boldness and confidence, Lord God, knowing what the Son of God did for us on the cross, Lord God. That whoever believes in you shall not perish, but have eternal life, Lord God. We thank you for that eternal life, Lord God, that is present and available for us all this afternoon, Lord God. Thank you that you did not send your Son into the world to condemn the world, Lord God. We thank you that the spirit of condemnation will not have rule here this afternoon, Lord God. That things that are revealed, Lord God, will not result in condemnation, Lord God. But you have sent him not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for the spirit of salvation this afternoon, Lord God. That wherever we find ourselves and we cannot get ourselves out of, Lord God, you still eager to save, Lord God. We thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 Um, another one of the things, things I'm passionate about is intercession. Um, so I just want to just give a bit of context that if I just break into prayer, you know what? I, 
my jokes are not happening this afternoon, you know. <laughs> They're really, really not happening. Um, Psalm 18 verse 34 says that he trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. And this is David um, talking about how God trains him to battle. And we all know that God has called us to battle in this world. And this, a, big, a big heart in this series is that God will equip us to be able to win this battle that he's called us to. So I have a couple of people here this afternoon, uh, three amazing, amazing individuals who are going to be sharing their stories. Um, but before they share their stories and before they introduce themselves, I just want to ask them a very serious question that I really believe that, you know, determines uh, where we rate them in terms of their spirituality, because, you know, we have to rate people. <laughs> Can we start that side? All right, so, um, so the, the, the question, this just, to, just to show you how much of scripture you know, if you were a fruit, which fruit would you be? Fruit, yes. Oh, wow. Um, I think a watermelon. A watermelon. I'm hard on the inside, but I'm really sweet. Watermelon. Oh, that's good. That's good. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Brian? Uh, I'd be a blueberry. A blueberry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm small, but I'm packed with power. Yay. Okay. Um, You're not cheap. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Don't act like you've got blueberries in your fridge. <laughs> you don't have blueberries in your fridge. Um, I think I would be an apple. You'd be? An apple. An apple. It's okay. the most wholesome fruit. It's the most awesome fruit. Wholesome. Wholesome fruit. Okay, that's a doctor's answer. We'll forgive you. <laughs> um, if I was a fruit, I would not... I, I don't know. I didn't think about it. Like, I thought... It's nice that you ask other people. <laughs> it's so much easier to ask other people. Um, what it's they really would be going well. How would you be? It's going well. Wow. I know it's going really, really well. <laughs> um, all right, so I'm going to ask you guys to introduce yourselves. Uh, just say what your name is and what your profession is, and we'll get into the next stage of the questions. Um, so just start by introducing yourself. We can start, um, okay, we can start with you again, CJ. Cool, so my name is CJ, and um, I actually work here at the church as an administrator in the discipleship office, which is the best office. Okay. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, I'm also a student at UNISA studying psychology. Awesome. Hi, I'm Brian. Um, my background is primarily in finance. I work in transaction advisory services. Um, yeah, I've been doing that for the larger part of my life. Awesome. Hi, I'm Candice. I work for a company called Progression. We basically design strategies for um, around disability and skills development. This, um, disability meaning um, physical, mental, psychiatric, and cognitive. And we try to combine business and community, which is a challenge, but we enjoy it. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and I think as all of us can, uh, would agree, we've had an amazing journey uh, with uh, the Soul Matter series. And I just want to hear from you guys here, uh, what are some of the things that have stood out for you in the past couple of weeks? Um, you can start the same way. <laughs> um, sure, it's been an amazing series, and I don't think any one thing has particularly stood out for me. Um, I really did enjoy the way Roger in the first session unpacked the meaning of soul and the different ways that our souls are, are hurt and injured. Um, and that was quite it, great for me to hear from the pulpit. Um, but I think what's really stood out for me is more about the conversations that we've been having in our connect group around the series and just mm. listening to people and their struggles and the freedom that has come from us doing this series and then being able to express what they've been going through and just realizing how much God loves each and every one of us, that this matters to him. Our souls matter. Our, 
um, our mind and the, the struggles that we go through actually really matter. And he wants each of us to know that he loves us, that he's in, us, in there with us. And I think that to me has been the biggest thing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Brian? Yeah, I think for me specifically, it was uh, Dorian and, and, and what he was sharing about last week. It, it, it made me realize how, how personal pain is, but how common struggles are. Sure. You know, and uh, the, the, the symptoms he described about, I think I'm all right, um, you know, but, you know, in my responses and the, you know, the way I'm snappy to people around me, my, my loved ones know I'm not. Um, I think for me, the series has been amazing, um, but specifically as well, um, Dorian's service last week was uh, just about leaning on God. Um, I think we take it for granted that obviously we're going to do that, you know, when we get into certain situations, but it's not always the case. We tend to, you know, go our own way and do our, you know, follow our own minds type thing. Um, and also just saying what, um, what Brian's saying, that just pain and suffering is just part of normal human experience. And so we have diagnoses, but I mean, everyone probably in this room has gone through some sort of season yeah. where it's anxiety or depression or slight schizophrenia or whatever, but it's just, it's, it needs to be spoken about. Yeah, that's awesome. So the next uh, part of the um, discussion, I'm gonna ask them to share their personal journeys uh, concerning mental health, but I um, also wanna give a bit of a heads up in terms of um, some of the guys here will not just be sharing from their personal lives, will be sharing mostly from the people that they've uh, journeyed with and people that they've helped out. So, uh, CJ, could you share uh, your personal journey with mental health and some of the people that you've seen uh, walk through that journey as well? Um, so, for me, um, I suffered with depression for a long time and then anxiety as well. Um, I never got formally diagnosed because I never really thought, oh, hey, I'm depressed. Mm. <laughs> um, it was really in hindsight that I realized that I'd gone through that. Um, and the anxiety was much the same when I was talking to someone explaining the feeling that my skin wanted to go hide in a corner and just like crawl off me. And they were like, hey, isn't that anxiety? And I was like, sure. oh, <laughs> now it has a name. Great. Um, <laughs> so, um, but for me, um, the root of, of a lot of what I was going through was actually my physical health where I had a chronic illness that was undiagnosed. And in receiving that, my diagnosis and proper medication for that, a lot of my depression lifted. Um, the anxiety is an ongoing thing that I have to deal with, um, but I've become much stronger and better at recognizing it and dealing with it. And it's something that um, I see a lot in people that do come to me for counseling, um, anxiety and depression being a major thing. Um, and uh, my dad as well also has depression um, that he's had for many, many years. Um, so watching him journey through that, and um, I mean, he's an amazing man. He reads his Bible every day, spends time with God every day, but he still struggles um, with chemical imbalances that, that cause him to be depressed and things like that as well. So, yeah. Sorry, ma'am. My Michael Jackson microphone is not working. Um, you said, uh, you mentioned a phrase that, deal, that I'm still dealing with. I think I'd like for you to share a little bit about that. Um, just to just break a couple of myths um, in terms of um, what we mean by dealing. Um, so um, every now and again, particularly if I'm very stressed, or um, I also have a heart condition, so whenever my heart acts up, it kind of feeds into the anxiety because then I panic, and then that sets my heart off, which makes me panic more, so it's a great cycle. Um, <laughs> but so, uh, and when I'm super stressed as well, I can be a bit prone to feeling very anxious. Um, but I've learned how to manage my triggers. 
So um, with the heart thing, I know that my heart does stuff and I know what to be aware of. Um, I use Rescue Remedy because it's fantastic. <laughs> um, I find if I can get my body to calm down, then I can get my mind to kind of relax. Um, so I, those are the, there's some techniques I've put in place to help me manage when I do have anxiety. That's good. Brian? personal one in terms of, you know, this is something that um, in many respects is, it's, it's still a wound to me and not a scar yet. Um, and I know the difference because I know what some scars look like and I can look back at things in my life and say, okay, um, I'm, I'm good, I'm beyond that. But so I, um, I think like, uh, sorry, without the intention of being sexist in any in way whatsoever, we are, but, you know, in terms of the generation that I grew up in, there was a very specific defined role for a guy. A guy. And um, you generally, as, as, as most guys, from, I guess from my generation, you define yourself by how, wide, how, how well you're able to procreate, to provide, and to protect. And when those three anchors are sort of, a, you know, are there, it kind of gives you identity as a man. And uh, I, so, you know... My, my philosophy has always been you don't have because you don't work hard enough. Sure. You know, that was my philosophy. You know? um, and at a stage in my life, or in, in a very short space of time, I'd had my first business failure. I found out that I was infertile, and um, my health had taken a, a serious knock. And so I, I don't have a traumatic childhood where I'm carrying, you know, huge amounts of, of hurt as, as, as a lot of people in our country actually are. Yeah. I had a great childhood. I had phenomenal parents. My, my mom passed away quite recently. Um, and through a series of events that I thought as being a strong Christian man, I should be able to deal with, I woke up in the middle of a very difficult headspace um, dealing with severe depression and, and, and lots of anxiety. So, um, I mean, it, 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 was a, it, it was quite a challenging process getting through that. You know, um, after a while, my response was, was it, you know, initially you start off with someone's asking you, how are you doing? Uh, uh, my response would not be, I'm okay. My response would be, God is good. Now, that reality never changed, but I was never okay. The fact that God was good yeah. didn't change the fact that I wasn't okay, yeah. you know. Um, and so, yeah, I, you know, I've, 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 I've been through a lot, taken a lot of steps, walked with people who've, who've, who've also been through a lot, um, having the experience of a very close friend, you know, his wife pick up a phone in the middle of the night and say to me, we were driving on the highway, and I mean, you know, when it comes to well-adjusted, I think in our circle, you know, <laughs> of friends, I would have considered him to be one of the most well-adjusted of all of us and just decided while the car was going to get out of the car. At 110 kilometers per hour on a highway, just decide that's enough. You know? Sure. Thanks for sharing, Brian. Um, Candice? Um, so I'll share some of my, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, experiences, but I think um, I just want to share from some people that I've kind of um, met and walked some, some part of their journey with. Um, in our organization, as I said, we, we try to join community and business together in order to create jobs. And so um, I'm going to tell you the story about David. Um, so, but David works for one of our insurance companies, and um, as a child, 
he was about, I think, six or seven, and he, his grandmother, he grew up with his grandmother, and his grandmother used to lock him in the house and go to work. So he spent a good couple of his day alone. So from seven until about five o'clock in the afternoon, they would come home from work, and the day would just continue. Um, David, because of this trauma, David developed depression. Um, he tried to commit suicide five times, and tw two of those times were actually at work. Um, he battled a lot ab with um, just connecting with people, and he, was, he always felt isolated. Um, the second story I wanted to share is just someone that um, worked in our department. I'll call her Anna. Um, and she was gang raped when she was 18. Her toddler got knocked over by a car when she was 25. <clears throat> and so she battled with bipolar mood disorder. Bipolar is basically saying, is basically um, depression and um, elevated mood. So, you know, today they will be like extremely excited and happy and everything is going okay, they're on top of the world, feelings of grandiose, and then the next day they might be wanting to commit suicide, basically. Sure, that's really hectic. Um, I think uh, one of the things I also wanted to touch on is, as you said, you've worked with a couple of businesses. Um, what are some of the uh, myths uh, concerning mental health in their workspace that you've had to um, fight, almost jump over to be able to, you know, to, 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 to have progress? So I think, so, you know, when we're sitting in front of um, clients, you know, we, they always say, you know, but you know, disability is just physical. Don't worry about the mental side of things. I don't want to know about that. In fact, I, I don't have a department that can actually handle people with, with psychiatric conditions, so don't give me people with, with that, those conditions. And so we have to kind of sensitize them to the fact that people with depression or bipolar is just, they, it's just a condition. It doesn't define them. In fact, we even, we even use the, the, the phrase, Sometimes I'll receive an email and it'll say, please give me disabled people, and I'll, and I'll change the subject saying, people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. Because first we are people, second we are wives, husbands, women, men, yeah. children of God, before we, are, we've, we, before we are defined by anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's kind of some of the myths that we'd have to jump over. And also, I mean, I'm just gonna talk about Anna. She is an exceptional candidate in our, in our department. She was actually better, um, in terms of her work and efficiency than the, other, than, than the others who are considered normal. Yeah, sure. Um, and I think any of you can take the next question, uh, is the, I think a lot of times, especially concerning mental illness and how it has been dealt with in the church in the past, there's almost been a separation between the faith approach and the um, medical approach, or the faith approach or the practical approach. And I think it's one of the things that has injured a couple of people uh, who have either dealt with mental illness or try to help people deal with mental illnesses. Um, so I'm gonna just check, I uh, just wanna find out from you guys, where, where have you been able to strike a balance, if it's a balance to strike, um, or if it's actually a false dichotomy that they actually um, you know, exist together. Just wanna hear some of your views on, on that. Um, I absolutely believe that they can exist together. I mean, God is our creator who knows us better than he does. Um, you know, so the idea, I think for a long time, I, I wish I'd studied psychology early to, earlier, to be honest, but I had this idea growing up in the church that psychology was um, kind of of the devil. <laughs> and I, I blame Freud. Because, um, <clears throat> yeah. Um, but I had this misconception that psychology wasn't godly. And um, I've really loved studying it now later in my 30s because 
Um, there's so often where I just kind of see God's word was already there um, in terms of what they say and what you see coming out in psychology, especially now. A lot of ideas of, of um, how you think determines how you behave. I mean, God says, take capture every thought and bring it into submission it's with good. the knowledge of God. Yeah. So the idea that, that um, get our mental health is divorced from God is such a lie from the devil to keep us trapped because yeah. God wants us to be whole. He wants us to be well. And um, his stripes was not just for my physical health. It was for my mental health as well. It's so good. In the Bible, it says, it, it speaks about um, a woman who asked God, um, who asked Jesus, sorry, who sinned, um, the child's mother or the child who was blind? And so just, just what Jesus rep um, responded was, um, none, because I'm using it for my glory. And so that's what mental health essentially is. God doesn't affirm mental health. He uses it. So mm. it will come about and he will use that for his glory and for your benefit at yeah. the end of the day. Uh, David, actually, um, he was co uh, coached by a life coach. And one of his reports I read, it said um, he actually, he actually f um, found Christ. And because of the spirit of adoption, he actually um, came to, to, to feel whole and yeah. to want to seek out a church to go to. Yeah. Um, so it's just, you can just see the, you know, Jesus parallels in our day-to-day -day lives everywhere, um, yeah. if you just look. So good. One of my, uh, my final question to you guys today um, is that, so we've, we've uh, I don't know if some of you have uh, read the reports or the news in the past couple of years, uh, one of the challenges that we've had on campus has been uh, some suicide attempts, and some, unfortunately, have been successful. Um, and last year, um, the, as, as part of the team of Vetsen UJ, um, to respond to what's been happening on campus, we sat down with somebody to say, what role can we as the church play? And um, we thought we could you know, try and give some good advice, but that only injures people, especially if you're not a professional. Um, if you're giving medical advice, if you're not qualified to do so, it actually makes the situation worse. Um, and it actually boiled down to this, that uh, the role that the church is meant to play is provide a life-giving community to people. Um, that as we give that life-giving community to people, that's where we actually see the change. That's where we're actually there to help uh, people walk out of or walk into a place of victory concerning their mental health. Um, so I want to ask you guys, what do you feel um, um, the role of community has either helped you or helped those that you've been able to work with? How do you feel community has uh, been able to do that? And church, please take notes. Um, I know for me, when I was depressed and very anxious, I was incredibly isolated. Um, I'd fallen away from God, and a lot of the damage I'd done to my soul was because of the lifestyle I was living. And when I came back to God, it coincided with being correctly diagnosed, but it also coincided with starting to deal with root issues inside of me. But I, I joined a church, and they're different, they're part of us now, Junction, um, and got involved with um, some of the stuff the women were doing there, and just being in a space where I could share what I was going through. And these women looked at me, I was expecting rejection, I was expecting judgment, and I actually received love because they were reflecting God's love for me. Um, and just 
being able to then work through these things with women who were also going through things. I wasn't actually alone. That was like the biggest thing. I think the devil likes you to think you're all by yourself, that you are the only one experiencing it. You're the only one who's sinned like you've sinned. You're the only one who feels the way that you feel. And that's actually a lie. The more you talk to people and engage with them, the more you realize so many of us have gone through so many similar things. Um, And we're here to share together um, things that we've learned, things that we know, um, and that really, for me, allowed me to carry on in my journey of, of, of healing my soul. So good. Brian. Um, I'll try to answer everything you've asked as succinctly as possible. Um, firstly, I, I have the, the benefit of being able, you know, to have early in my life realized that my house is not the parameters of my church family. My church family goes beyond that. So, you know, with regards to community, um, I think strong accountability structures at any age are fundamentally important. Yeah. Uh, secondly, you know, with, with strong community, when the darkness envelops you, you don't reach out, they reach in. Mm. Okay. Mm. Um, and, and, and that was very big for me. Yeah. Um, with regards to younger people, <laughs> the questions don't change. If you're not good enough where you are right now, you will not be good enough after your degree, after your first qualification. So, so. Those things don't change. So. Um, so just going back to the story about Anna in our department, um, she, test, um, she gave a testimony and said, you know, she was battling with, um, with her condition for, for many, many years until she found employment. But employment is not, the, is not the, the key. What is key is that she had a family around her. And so our organization is very family orientated. Sometimes we'll take kids to our, our office and stuff like that. So she found that she could speak to, to people just about who she is in a very real way and get answers in a very real way. So she didn't have to pretend to be someone that she wasn't. Um, And yeah, she's now found a permanent position at one of the um, flight companies and she's doing amazingly well. So community is just, it's it's key. That's really good. I'm sorry that we are going over time. Uh, We would have liked to take questions, but we won't be able to um, get into questions for this afternoon. Um, So I'm going to ask our guest um, um, to sit down, Um, not yet, (laughs) I'm going to ask you to sit down in a bit, Uh, (laughs) I'm going to ask you to sit down in a bit, Uh, but firstly I want to thank you guys for being uh, vulnerable, coming and sharing your story, uh, coming and sharing personal details about your life, Um, and it's it's not easy, Uh, I know it may look easy, uh, but I know that it's not easy. uh, one of the things that I, I, I felt as I was praying for the service today is that as you guys share what may seem like natural stories, you're going to be breaking um, a lot of chains in the spirit. Uh, there's a lot of things that you're going to say that somebody's going to realize that I don't have to stay here. You know, I don't have to be like this forever. I don't have to stay in this darkness. I don't have to isolate myself any further. That even if it's difficult, I don't have to give up the hope. Um, so thank you very much uh, for, for, for serving us the way that you've served us this afternoon. Please put your hands together for them. Uh, And please stand to your feet as we uh, pray and close the service this afternoon. So, the the difficulty about um, mental illness is that sometimes people are unable to get themselves to the help that they need to, that they need. That they're not able to walk themselves to the help that they need. Um, But I believe that our role as the church is that, as Brian shared earlier on, is that we would be able to reach in when somebody isn't able to reach out. 
Um, and I believe that one of the best ways for us to reach in is through faith. And um, people who have mental illnesses don't always, aren't always able to put up their hands and say that I'm struggling. Um, there's still a shame, there's still a stigma around it. Around it. So I would like for us this afternoon to just take a, a few seconds to just pray for those that might be in our midst, that might be standing next to us, um, that might need that breakthrough, that might need to hear that it is possible, that might need to hear that God does still want to pull you out. You know, so I want us to do something a bit different that we don't normally do at this church. I'm going to ask you to please hold the hand of the person next to you. So as you're holding the hand of the person next to you, there's a very powerful story in 2 Samuel verse 9, chapter 9, where David asked for um, someone to bless from the house of Saul. Now, if you know the story, who Saul was, was the king that came before David and is the king that tried to kill David. But then there was Saul's grandson. His name is Mephibosheth. And Saul's grandson, when they heard about the news of Saul's passing and uh, the death of his father, Jonathan, apparently the nanny that was holding him dropped him. And as, he, as she dropped him, this son, Mephibosheth, fell to his feet and he was lame from the feet down, from the legs down, which means that he could not walk. And the Bible says that he found himself in a place called Lodabar. Now, if you look up what the word Lodabar means, that word means a place of no communication. And that is something that people who struggle with mental illness feel as a reality a lot of the times is that they are stuck in this place where it seems like there is no network in our day-to-day -day terms, that there is no communication, there's no way for me to reach out to those who are out there, and there's no way for those who are out there to reach into where I am. And the King David does something that was countercultural at that time. As a king who just took over, he had the right to kill everybody from the house of Saul, but he reaches out for Mephibosheth who was in the house of Saul to invite him to the king's table. Now why that is powerful is that even if Mephibosheth had tried, he would have never made his way to the king's table. And I want to give a prophetic word, a prophetic declaration to those who are here today who feel like you've been struggling that yes, God understands that you cannot make your way to the king's table, but he has sent out people who will come looking for you and find you in Lodabar and pull you from where you are and make you sit in the king's table. Now the powerful thing about this story is the fact that when he gets to the king's table, this is very, very, very mind-blowing for me, is that when he gets to the king's table, he did not grow legs right he didn't grow legs so sometimes when people have been struggling with mental illness we want them to get to the king's table and have some kind of an extreme change that we don't even live ourselves every day that he still was the way that he was but he had access to things that he would have never been have able to have access to because he was at the king's table so if you're sitting at the king's table right now and you've been disqualifying yourself because you feel like you did not grow legs, God is saying that you are still welcome at the king's table. And he's saying that remain at the king's table. You have access to food that you'd have never been able to have access to if you remained in Lodabar. So right now as you're holding the hand of the person next to you, Lord God, I pray for your spirit to flow in this place, Lord God. 
Let healing flow in this place, Lord God. If there is anybody that is here this afternoon that feels like they are in low power, Lord God, I pray for healing to break through, Lord God. But your healing that says that you are still a son, you are still a daughter, and yes, you have access to the king's table. Your condition does not disqualify you from the king's table. So right now, Lord God, let your word break chains right now, Lord God. Let your word break lies, Lord God. Right now, Lord God, let your word Break mindsets, Lord Jesus. Break mindsets right now, Lord God. Where lies have kept us captive, Lord God. Where lies have made us residents of Lodabar, Lord God. I pray that your word would break those mindsets right now, Lord God. Now I'm going to ask you to do something. Squeeze the hand of the person next to you. And if that is you that needed that squeeze, that squeeze means that I see you. If that is you that needed that squeeze, that squeeze means that I feel you. If you needed that squeeze this afternoon, that squeeze means that you matter. You matter. You matter to God. Keep squeezing. Sometimes people actually need that touch. Isolation makes people feel like they're not worthy of that touch. So keep squeezing. Squeeze and believe that as you squeeze in that hand, don't break them. But as you squeeze in that hand, believe that the life of God is coming out from the inside of you to the person that is next to you. I like, I like what, what CJ said about that there's no division between faith and the practical way of tackling mental health. So in the same way that we're exercising faith, we know that as faith arises, people will be able to make that doctor's appointment tomorrow. That as faith arises, people will be able to make that phone call this afternoon and say that I need help. So let your life flow this afternoon, Lord God. Those of you who thought that you wouldn't see the end of this year, you will see the end of this year. So cut the news, the news right now, Lord God. Those who thought that they were going to take their own lives, cut it right now, Lord Jesus. They will see the next year. They will enter into the next year with victory in their hands. So thank you, Lord God, for letting your life flow this afternoon, Lord God. We will not be of those. We will not be seen as those who shrunk back and were destroyed, Lord God. But we will press in for your promises, Lord God. We thank you for life flowing in this place, Lord God. Life flowing this afternoon, Lord God. Wherever we find ourselves, whether we feel like we're an extreme case or not, life is flowing right now and tackling and confronting every ounce of darkness right now. I thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on you.
what is, what is the Holy Spirit breaking in you? What, what is He allowing to fall off? What did that squeeze mean to you? What lie did it expose? That's called the Holy Spirit moving. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Can we give the Father just a show of appreciation? Clap hands. Praise Him. Show your appreciation for His Spirit that moves in your soul. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus.